I want to make sure I have my health. But along the way, Peter, I want to look good in my clothes. I want to feel good. I want to smell good. I want to talk good. All these things as I continue to progress through this journey. It's a journey that I'm on. Nate Wilkins is a certified nutrition coach, functional aging specialist, and co-founder of Ageless Workout. He is on a mission to disrupt and evict old ideas about aging. Hello again, and welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. I'm Peter Bowes. This is where we explore the science and stories behind human longevity. This episode is brought to you in association with Clinique La Prairie, the award-winning spa clinic and pioneering health and wellness destination nestled on the shores of Lake Geneva in Montreux, Switzerland. Combining preventative medicine with bespoke lifestyle and nutrition plans, Clinique La Prairie offers a holistic approach to living fuller, healthier, and longer lives. Ageless Workout is a Miami-based health, healing, and wellness company that seeks to really bridge the gap between fitness and medicine to help people achieve their maximum potential. It is a lifestyle that he and his partner, Sheba, have adopted to try to develop what they call a tribe mentality to health and fitness. So let's find out more. Nate, welcome from South Florida in America's Sunshine State. Welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. Hey, thank you, Peter, so much. Hey, listen, you know, that introduction was fantastic. It's it's probably uh, maybe the second best introduction that I had. I had a chance to do my own before, but you did a wonderful job. Thank you so much. Looking for the opportunity to share some thoughts. Well, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And uh, well, let's go to one of the things that I mentioned, the old ideas about aging. What are those old ideas that you don't particularly like about aging? Well, let's start out first in terms of images, the images that we used to see, or maybe we're still seeing those images, right? That, you know, they're depicting people, and I won't say like you and me, but people like me and my partner, they're, they're depicting us like we're decrepit, like we're, we got one foot in the grave and, 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 and we don't look so good. We, 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 we look like we are, are not feeling our best. And so we want to change the images and we've actually worked on doing that. But, but you know, if there are people who are in that place, uh, we also invite them because we know that they can change. And then just the, the marketing pieces that you see in terms of the information, the wording, right, the, the jargon, old, you know, these kinds of things make a difference. And, and then, you know, this whole notion of ageism that, that when you get to a certain place, they're supposed to throw you away. And, and uh, by no stretch of the imagination, are Sheba and I throwaway people? And Peter, I would assume that you're not a throwaway person. Of course, you may be a, a little bit younger than we are, but I think you get my gist, right? So these are the types of uh, challenges or uh, pieces that we want to be a part of correcting and, and also projecting out for people what the new what the new aging looks like in terms of the use of technology and i know you can identify with that and in terms of how we sleep and how we eat and how we interact you know after the pandemic that we need a certain amount of things happening with us and so these are the pieces that i think are are important and and i'll, I'll talk more as, as we move on 
Yeah, no, that is very interesting. And and since we are talking about age, it's probably fair that we share our ages. Uh, how old are you? Well, I'm not old at all, Peter. I'm I'm a, I'm actually 68 years young in the race race to reach 100. You know, I I want to when I get to be 100, I want to look at 120 because one of my clients told me that it's possible to reach 120. But but let me be clear, Peter. I'm not interested in being 100 and decrepit and I can't have my own independence. What I'm talking about is this notion of active aging that I'm actually putting in the work right now to take care of myself so when I get to be 100, I can still compete in activities. Maybe not at the level that I used to, but competing is important. Having a certain sense of independence and being able to process my thoughts and not be out of it. I hope that makes sense. It makes total sense. And I'm 60 years old, so I'm not that far behind you. And I I share exactly the same philosophy and ideas that you have just described, especially about health span. You you want to get to, it might be 80, 90, 100, or even 110, but you want to be physically active, mentally active, and involved in life at that age. And that's why I talk a lot on this podcast about health span, the number of years that you are healthy and involved and utilizing all the faculties that you have, as opposed to a lifespan which doesn't necessarily involve health. A lifespan could be 100 years old, but the final 20 years might not be so great for some people. And I think that's where you and I share the same goals and and same ideas. The idea is to expand those years that we remain healthy and enjoy it. Absolutely, absolutely. We like to think of it as adding quality to the years that when you get to be a certain age, you can look back and say all of these things that happen, memories, but you also have an opportunity to look forward and say, but, but there, there is some opportunity to do some more. I haven't used all my stuff yet. And so that's what we're looking forward to, using some more of our stuff. We want to be used up when we leave the planet. And in your book, which is called Ageless Workouts, you conclude that fitness isn't a myth at an older age. And I think you you say that because I think clearly a lot of people think that being older and fit and healthy is something that is beyond reach, that it is a myth, that it is something that most people don't achieve and that you can't be particularly old, if you want to use that word, or old but still feeling and physically and mentally young that it's, it's not possible, where, of course, you understand very well that it is possible. Oh, absolutely. Not only do I understand it, I sleep it, I eat it, I walk it, I talk it. <laughs> I share it with everybody that's around me. Sometimes I find younger people who can't do the types of programs or movements that I can do. I'm still able to uh, do push-ups. I'm still able to do squats. But let me let me be let me be careful and say this is not the the thing that I that I'm really in, in, interested in per se. What I'm really interested in, and I wanted to back up and say that health is at the corner is really the centerpiece of what's important to me. I want to make sure I have my health, but along the way, Peter, I want to look good in my clothes. I want to feel good. I want to smell good. I want to talk good. All these things as I continue to progress through this journey. It's a journey that I'm on. So that's what's important to me. And so this whole notion of, you know, being old is just the, and, and not being fit. Man, you know, if, if, if I could just show, you know, people that, that I still work on my muscles, right? Because muscles and bones are important. And I don't have to tell you 
muscles and bones that are important. So I do the, the work to protect my muscles and my bones. So that's a little bit different than me being, you know, sort of vain and working on vanity muscles. What I'm saying is that I want to have my independence. So I got to do some stuff right now. I got to take care of my body right now. So I have the muscles and my bones don't break and my balance is there and, and I don't slip and fall. I hope that I hope I'm getting I hope I'm talking to somebody right now. Yes, exactly. I understand totally where you're coming from. And I want to dig in a little deeper in terms of what your your methods are, how you deal with people, how you perhaps change some people's attitudes and minds and help them along the the journey that you mentioned. Before we do that, let's just talk a little bit about your journey and what you've spent the last 60 plus years doing and what has led you to this point in your life and career. Well, well, you know, that's interesting. And thank you for that question. What I can share with you, Peter, is that like anybody else, I, you know, I wanted to have a, an exciting career. I loved sports when I was growing up. My parents were military, so we traveled quite extensively all around uh, the world, so to speak. I had a, a brush with, with greatness when we lived in Atlanta, Georgia, and I got a chance to be baptized and meet King. But, but even greater than that, we had a chance to meet people from all over the world. And there's something about travel, Peter, that actually changes your mind, right, your perspective. And so I was able to get a different mindset. Not only did I get a chance to travel around the world and meet new people, but I got a chance to live in places like Junction City, Kansas, Fort Raleigh. I got a chance to go to Manhattan, Kansas State uh, Wildcats and get a, a, a bachelor's degree in recreation administration. And then when I got a, a position in Topeka, Kansas, I realized that that wouldn't be enough. So then I went back to school and got a master's degree in um, public administration because I wanted to be uh, uh, knowledgeable, more knowledgeable, learn more, but also be able to uh, advance my career. And so that led me into greater opportunities in parks and recreation. I worked in Kansas City, Missouri as a superintendent of recreation. I went on to Cincinnati, Ohio, and as their assistant director, and later on to the National Recreation Parks Association. But mind you, Peter, in all of this, I, I didn't take care of my body as I should have because I was having fun. You know, the life was moving so fast. And when I knew anything, I was up to 230 pounds. My heart was in bad shape. I was down on my, you know, on myself and looked around and had some heart issues. And heart issues led me into exercising. Exercising led me into teaching. Teaching led me into managing. And managing led me into owning my own company. And here we are today. That is quite a life. I just want to skip back a few seconds because you moved over it quite quickly. A brush with greatness, you said. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I find, uh, I find that uh, as I look at uh, life right now and uh, as, as we move forward in whatever it, this is that, that we're doing uh, in, in, this, in this country, but around the world, a person like, like a King or Gandhi or Mandela, these, these are the people that in my own, now this is me, that I call great. I met Martin Luther King through his mother because I lived in the area. I used to sell papers up and down Auburn Avenue. And one, one Saturday I went into the church because I loved the piano. And there was a piano down in the basement of the church. And I was down there playing on the piano. And the mother king came down, asked me what I was doing, who I was, and invited me to church on the next Sunday. I, I go to the church on the next Sunday, a friend and I. And then the next 
two Sundays, they say, why don't you become baptized? I get baptized when I get into the pulpit to be baptized. Who's there but to do the, the baptism? None other than Martin Luther King. So I meet King. I meet the mother. I meet the, the father and the children. This was this was in the, in the 60s. Now, don't don't uh, don't try to date me, Peter. You're you're you're, you're really trying, trying to you're, you got some tricks up your sleeve. You're trying to say this guy. This guy's been around for a long time. But look, that was my opportunity with greatness. But I've had some other brushes with greatness, too. And, and, you know, maybe on another podcast we can talk about that. But but that was the one that I think made a significant difference in my life, caring and helping people. Right. Taking it off for myself and putting it on somebody else. But but not saying that I didn't have self-care. What I said was that I was I was I learned how to take my eye off myself and put it on somebody else and help somebody else. Because the perfume of life is, you know, if you put so much perfume on somebody else, you can't help but get some on yourself. That's a great line. I like that a lot. It conjures up a great image. So let's talk about that point in your life then. You, you said you, you kind of realized there was an epiphany that all of a sudden here you were, you were overweight and clearly not that healthy at that point. How did you begin to turn things around? Well, well, you know, we all go through these things. I think maybe you have. It was, you're talking about an epiphany. I, I was at a, at a place I didn't, want, I didn't want to check out. And I had sense enough to know that I had some pain in my chest. And so when I go to the doctor, they keep me and then they keep me for a longer time. And the word gets around uh, with the people that I was working with that I was really sick and they thought that I might not make it. So they were coming to visit and I thought, well, what are they talking about? What's going on? So the first opportunity that I got, they put they sent me to a cardiologist. I go to the cardiologist one time. They give me nitroglycerin. They give me you know, all of these other pills, right? You know, we can all have a conversation about pills. I just didn't like it. Didn't like how it made me feel. So I needed to change my plan. I started exercising, walking. That's where, that's where we want to encourage people. See, you got to meet people where they are. I, you know, I, didn't, I couldn't run anymore because I was overweight. You know, every time I tried to move, I was breathing heavy. It was aches and pains. But, but walking a little bit at a time, putting the shoes on a little bit at a time every day led me into maybe moving a little bit more. And then later on, when I met some other people, that's why we talk about this tribe notion. When I meet some other people, I get excited because I'm around them and they're motivating me to go to spinning classes, to go to other types of classes that get my body in shape. And the next thing I know, I'm actually in the front of the class with an instructor who says to me, Nate, why don't you lead this class? So he was teaching me how to lead a class. I ended up getting in a class and later on out of teaching those classes, people started to like what like what I was doing so much. They actually found a way for me to, to actually run a total fitness program. But but listen, none, none of that changed until I was able to change my mind change the way I thought about my body, right? See, if the mind and the stomach don't agree, you don't make those kinds of changes because you'll continue to stay in that same place. And, and it wasn't overnight. That's the other thing I would share, Peter. It wasn't overnight that I got these changes. It was a, over a period of time. I started to see less and less of myself. Other people saw it before I did. And then later on, 
the whole everybody who saw me was asking questions. What is it that you're doing? How are you eating? What are you drinking? How are you sleeping? All of these kinds of things. And this is not a new phenomena. This is not unusual and, you know, exclusive to Nate Wilkins. This is something that can happen to anybody who takes that first step. I think what we could encapsulate as your enthusiasm, your motivation behind what you do. And clearly, initially, that was motivation to change yourself and to achieve new goals. But what you do now, I guess, with your clients and the people that you work with, you share that motivation because I suspect some people will come to you and they have self-doubts about what they're able to achieve. How do you deal with that kind of person? What do you say to them to motivate them, to make them want to make that next step to fitness? First of all, you got to meet people where they are. Nobody really likes the word exercise, right? I mean, I like it. Maybe you like it because you're, you've been doing it and, and, and you understand the benefits of that. But when, when some people look at exercise, they see this notion of, you know, torturing yourself to get to a place where your body looks a certain way. And, you, and maybe that's not really not you, but you do it because other people have talked about you or made you feel bad or, or, or whatever the case may be. The doctor has said something to you about your health and you need to do these things. And so you go and, and immediately start to try to change and it doesn't happen overnight. So what, what, what I uh, share with people is my journey, like, like we just shared. You know, it, I wasn't always this way because people say to me, you, you've been exercising all your life. You've been doing this all your life. No, I haven't. As a matter of fact, I was in a bad situation, you know. So, so that gives people a chance to see that perhaps there's a slim opportunity for them to do something. But then I also encourage them along the way that I say that you don't have to get there overnight, right? It's little bitty steps, right? inch by inch, anything's a cinch by the yard is hard. If you just make, you know, little bitty steps, right? Small incremental changes in, in the way that you see yourself, first of all, in the mind, but then putting the action with that. The first step might be putting the shoes, the workout shoes next to the bed. The next step might be putting your feet into those shoes. The next step is then taking a step or two and standing up and sitting down. Peter, I hope you're following me, that, that I've encouraged people just to move a little bit. And, and if they feel some pain then or, un, or their discomfort, then we make some adjustments because everybody is different. We cannot use a cookie cutter model with, the, with this new age of people who are sitting at computers, have really been not as active as they, they need to be. And so what we need to do is encourage people to take those little small steps. And if I can get somebody to take a small step perhaps a stretch exercise or like we talked about a, a walk and walking i mean there's all types of documentation and research about the benefits of of walking but if we can get people moving along that spectrum then we can move them to other possibilities right and so that is where I think we start, but it's the noticing and naming that I do. Hey, look, you, you're making some fantastic changes. Did you, did you see that? Not, not only am, am I doing that, but I also share videos with them 
uh, of themselves and show them how they can correct their position and their posture and, you know, and, and give them some idea about what they can look like. So, you know, go back and get me an image of yourself of what you want to look like. How'd you look, you know, 10, 20 years ago? You want to get back there? These are the, the, the strategies that we put in place and continuing to encourage people, you know, it's not the hand-holding that I'm talking about. It's really, when you talk about leadership, it's really not tugging the rope, it's gently pulling the rope along the way and, and sort of leading by example because, you know, people actually pay attention to what you do, right? So it's not necessarily caught, but it's taught. They catch you in, in your times when you're doing stuff. Uh, are you are you are you really living the eating that you're talking about? Are you do? When do you work out, Nate? And I tell them, man, I'm up early in the morning because I want to win the day. And they do the same thing. Nate, you have just really preempted my next question because a lot of people will be inspired by you, I'm sure. So I, I'm interested if you could tell me, tell our listeners, what's your daily lifestyle like? When do you work out? How do you work out? And how does that mix in with? The, the work that you do during the day and the meals that you have during the day. What does a, a day in the life of Nate look like? Well, uh, let, me, let me just say, Peter, that, that I'm somewhat like you. Uh, I, I actually have implemented from time to time, depending on my situation, intermittent fasting or fasting in, in my diet. So sometimes in the mornings, I don't eat until about 11, 12 o'clock, but then I get a, get a full meal. But let me back up off of that and tell you that both Sheba and I are early risers, um, and we don't judge anybody for doing that. We're up at 4 o'clock in the morning. This morning, we, we got up. Uh, of course, we get our, our regular coffee, uh, and, and then we have animals, right? This is a beautiful thing for people. You got, we have a companionship with, with animals, and so we have two little mini pinchers, and I take those mini pinchers out walking for about 15 to 20 minutes, and that is my time with the Creator. That gives me a chance to smell the air and get the message from from the creator about here is a new day Nate lots could happen for you and so then I'm I'm fortified and the next piece is going to the gym and we like to do a workouts or movement exercises that's a push and a pull because of what we talked about earlier the bones and and the muscles and then I'm off to teaching and sharing with other people in a different type of class. Most Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, Peter, at six o'clock in the morning, you can find me in a boxing fitness class. Tuesdays, Thursdays, we're working on functional training. And then in some instances, we actually do, when, when the season is low, we actually do two-a-days. So here's what I'm saying. This is our routine. The food that I put in my, my stomach is important to me. So we make sure that we eat lots of green. And I'm not saying that I'm a vegan. What I'm saying is that we've moved toward a plant-based diet. The older I get, the less a protein that I consume, but I still find a protein a vital part of my diet. And then I'm also now at this point in my life adding a lot more supplements into my diet whether it be calcium or magnesium. I mean, I could go on and on, but what I'm saying to you is that the older I get, the more I have to have uh, what, what I think are supplements to help fortify my body. And then the sleeping piece is important. I've had some challenges with, with sleeping, you know, six to eight hours, but now that's leveled out. And then time to myself. 
you know, what some people may call a relaxation, I call it renewal or maybe what uh, may some call uh, meditation. But these are the pieces that go with my life. So much to dive into there. There's a couple of points I'd like to pick you up on. In terms of uh, moving more towards a plant-based diet, what was your main inspiration to do that? Well, the health is, you know, going, going right back to our initial platform, my health. Because, you know, I was, I, I was eating like I was taught. I don't know how many people of color you have who are participating or have participated in, in your programs or will participate. But what, from, from my community, a lot of what I was, gr- I was raised on was the more food you ate, you know, the more you loved your family, the more you loved your mother especially around Thanksgiving or, or, or Christmas or, you know, holidays, they would fix and prepare food for days and you would, you, we would eat until we fell asleep. And, and, and that, was, that was the way we found love. And so what I've learned is that a, a lot of, of, of a protein in my diet, if I didn't use it up working out or training or what have you, would show up in my body. And so I needed to back away from that. Now, I, now my, my grandmother taught me about uh, vegetables, and but you know, being in a fast-paced society like I was in, remember I told you I was I, I went to get a, a degree, and so when I was working on a degree, hamburgers made a difference, French fries made a difference, fast food made a difference, and so these things show up not immediately; they showed up later on in in my blood test. This is how I get to the place where my heart is in, in bad shape. So if you want to do some, make something different, you have to do something different, right? You have to make some changes in your life. And so that's how I get to plant-based. You know, I meet some people and I see them doing more plant-based eating than I was doing. And I started asking questions and doing research and reading and finding out that these are the things that I needed to do to, to get myself back on track. The other thing that you said just now that piqued my interest was was sleep and how maybe you haven't always been a, a great sleeper, but you've got to the point where you see sleep as, did you say restoration, a rebuilding process? It isn't just zonk out and go to sleep. There's much more to it for you than that. Absolutely, Peter. Here's, here's what people should know, and they, maybe they do. The muscles don't change and grow when you're were going through the activities. They change and grow. Your body changes and grows when you are restful when you get a certain amount of, of rest and renewal in, in your body, your, your body starts to adjust and make changes. And that's when the proteins or uh, all of the other nutrients can actually take real effect in your body and make real change. And so if you're constantly pounding and pounding, now we understand stress at a certain level. We're not talking about that. But what we're talking about is how do you renew? How, do you, how are you able to continue and be the best you that you want to be? And that's really what our conversation is about today, right? Exactly. Yes. One thing that you write about in the book, Nate, is living with a clear mind, knowing what makes you feel good. And I'd I'd really like to explore that in terms of what you mean by living with a a clear mind. I think I know what you mean. And I think a lot of people live with a lot of extra stuff going around in their heads, uh, a lot of junk that we don't need and that having a more perhaps simple attitude towards your life and your activities can be hugely beneficial. 
Well, you know, I, you know, I don't think I could say it any better. You've already said it, Peter. It, you know, it's simplifying, simplifying your life, not so many complications, not so many negative situations and people who bring, you know, negative to you. Because, you know, it, it, what ends up happening is when you're around negative people, it becomes a part of your personality. And, and you wonder why you feel the way you do. Uh, and, and you can't get that stuff off of you. That's why mental health right now, mental health is one of the, the largest challenges that we're facing in this country. We, we have gone through some upheaval in terms of health and wellness and community and economics. And so there's a lot of that stuff circling around and, you know, and people have actually isolated themselves away from it. And you find that if you're not around positive energy, then you can't grow. Babies need human touch, but, but they need the right kind of human touch. They don't need negative human touch. And so what I'm getting into is, is that we need some time just to say, that's okay. You know, I didn't do that so well, but it's okay. I'll do better next time. You know, not so much pressure to be who somebody else has decided for us to be. So, for, for me, Peter, I have actually had an opportunity to take a back step and say, here are the things that make Nate Wilkins happy. And I need to do more of that and less of the stuff that, you know, is required of me, so to speak. I know I have rules and regulations, but when do I find some time to be who I can be and that, that makes me full and loving of the person that I see in the mirror? See, Peter, if you, when you look in the mirror and, and you don't see somebody you love, you got some problems because you're going to do some things to destroy that. You're going to look at your body and say, I need to work hard. Maybe I need to take some steroids to get my muscles this way, as opposed to the real work that you need to do to fix your body. Man, I could go on and on, but, but let me just stop right there. That's hugely inspiring. And, you know, I started my day today, Nate, with my usual hike through the hills in North Los Angeles, three-mile hike with my two dogs, despite the 100-degree temperatures that we have here in California at the moment. Now I'm having this conversation with you. I started the day feeling pretty good. I feel 100% better now after this conversation with you because of your enthusiasm and your positive attitude towards the many issues that we clearly share in common. And this comes right to the heart of, I suppose, mixing with people and associating with people with that positive energy, which you clearly have in spades. Well, thank you so much. It is something, and I think that you can find this in the book, Peter. What we say, it's one thing, it's one thing to get involved with health, wellness, and healing, but it's quite another when it gets inside of you. When it gets inside of you, you won't need an alarm clock to wake you up, that you'll be looking forward to another opportunity to get up and see what you can do with your muscles and what you can do with your body, how you can fix certain meals that taste good or around uh, ingredients that maybe you never thought that you would like. Let me, let me just tell you, Peter, I, I used to say I didn't like okra until somebody put some okra in food for me and I didn't realize it, but I love that stuff. And so now every chance I get, I'm eating okra as much as I can. Avocados would be another one that I can tell you I said I didn't like. But now, I mean, I'm looking forward to having avocados as, as many times as I, as I can because I know the benefits and, and it actually tastes good to me. 
So I hope that answers, you know, the question that you just asked me. Yeah, it does. This is, Nate, as you know, a podcast about human longevity. It is about the stories, and we've had lots of great stories from you. The science as well, which I, I know you adhere to and look at and respond to. And it's about looking to the future and aspiring, as I mentioned before, to a great health span. How much of your time, and you've already given me a flavour of this, but to what extent do you think about your future and what Nate will be doing in 10 or 20 years' time? Well, let me just be clear and say I'm, I'm actually working almost on a daily basis to live in the moment, to live right now and understand that all I have is right now. But if you were to come to my home, you would see posters, uh, or sheets up around actually writing and projecting out where I need to be, uh, working on plans and, and ideas around how I need to uh, structure the work that I'm doing, who I'm going to touch. So maybe, um, maybe not 100 years out, Peter, but maybe 10, 15 years out, I have actually looked at you know the plans for that. So I spend quite a bit of time in the future. One of the key concepts that I learned back some time ago, Peter, was to look back 10% of the time, but look forward 90% of the time. So, you know, of course we want to reflect on where we've been because we want to know where we've been, but we also want to keep our focus on where we're going. So that is what what I'm doing. So this kind of conversation with you gives me an opportunity to project that uh, with a, a, a number of people, hopefully around the world, that, that we, we need to look inward, first of all, n- right now, but also be excited about what the future can be. Lots could happen. Well, I think whatever you do and whatever you're doing, you're on a, a fascinating journey. And Nate, I wish you all the best with the coming years, with your book, Ageless Workouts, the same name as your business. And, you know, I really hope I can get to Florida one day and see you in person. Hey, Peter, I'm going to hold you to that. You got to get to South Florida. I like your I like your energy. I like the work that you're doing. I'm so excited about the you know what what I've learned just right now about you doing intermittent fasting. I'm I'm actually uh, not necessarily intermittent fasting, but, uh, but 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 fasting period, right? And looking at longevity. And so, you know, welcome to the tribe. We we want to make sure that you know that you're a part of the Asia's Workout Tribe. You have the the qualities, the like-minded thinking, the attitude, you know, the the forward thinking that we love to have in in our conversation. So, thank you so much. That you're very kind. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. My pleasure. And if you'd like to find out more about Nate's work, I will put some links into the show notes for this episode. You'll find them at the Llama Podcast website. That's double L-A-M-A podcast.com. This has been a Healthspan Media production. In addition to the one you're listening to us on now, we're at all the usual podcasting platforms, including this new one, buymeacoffee.com. It's a platform that also helps support the podcast only If you're able to and feel that what we do brings you some benefit, our goal is that this podcast will always be free for everyone to listen on your platform 
of choice, but if you are able to make a small contribution towards the costs, it would be hugely appreciated. You're not really buying me a coffee, it's just a catchy name, hopefully to remember and donate as little as it would take to buy a coffee or maybe one of those fancy coffees. Whether you do or not, we'll be back soon and look forward to your company again as we explore the fascinating world of human longevity and good health. Thanks so much for listening.